This, this scripture I wanted to read, we, we started with last week. It's from Genesis uh, chapter 1. It's a, it's a verse that you know, um, I, I would think. Um, but I, I, what I wanted to do is I sometimes just I want to say them over and over again. So it's sort of like they can marinate a little bit. They can settle into your, into your mind. And so this is Genesis uh, 1 verse 26. Then God said... Let us, let's say it together, let us make humankind in our image. One, two, three. Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. So a few things that we can take out of this short sentence. And the first is that uh, God is plural, right? People always have this debate, you know, is God a he or a she? And of course... God is neither he nor she, right? Uh, and, uh, but perhaps you could say God is we. Um, I know we, when we say he, we, we just need a quick uh, something to hang on. You know, we refer to God as he. It's just like when we say mankind, it's mankind and womankind. It's just, a, just something to grab onto. It's general. Um, God isn't male or female. Jesus was male. We know this, right? Um, but we don't, God is not male or female, but also, God is not singular, but God is plural. And last week, I did a terrible job of trying to explain that to you by using a bunch of people dancing up here. And, uh, but the point of it is, the, the plurality, when it flows together so well, starts to look like a unity. And that's where we got the concept of the Trinity. Three in one. Maybe you'd say three intertwined so well, interacting so well, that they look as one. And um, what we learned is that God is all about relationship because God is relationship. And from the beginning, it wasn't singular, it was always plural. In fact, they even made a note that where it says God there, <clears throat> excuse me, the word is Elohim, which is plural. So it's plurality right from the beginning. And this is a little bit like, I thought it was more singular, but it's plurality right from the beginning. But it's this unified plurality. It's, it's this perfect uh, intertwining dance. And the reason that I wanted to sort of repeat this is because as we talk about relationships... Um, as we talk about the frustrations of relationships, as we talk about the joy of relationships, it's important to know the reason that relationships matter to us so much. Sometimes you don't even think about it. You know, I was talking to a, a young man yesterday who just went through a terrible breakup. Terrible. And you think, well, why does it matter? You know, it, why, why don't you just say, well, okay, you're, I'm done with you, you're done with me, and then you can walk away. But you have all these things going on in here. Is this true? All kinds of things going on in here. It's because the nature of God is relational. And I want to say this, the nature of the universe itself is relational. So as I set that up, that's the, the, from last week if you weren't here. Um, as I said that, I, got a, uh, I get a daily uh, sort of an email devotional, I guess you would call it, daily reading. And I have to read it to you because it was just exactly what we were talking about. So permit me. Um, a French Jesuit priest who trained as a paleontologist and a geologist said, love is the 
very physical structure of the universe. That is a very daring statement, especially for a scientist to make. Um, the scientist's name was Teilhard de Chardin. And it says, yet for Teilhard, gravity, atomic bonding, orbits, cycles, photosynthesis, ecosystems, force fields, electromagnetic fields, sexuality, human friendship, animal instinct, and evolution all reveal an energy that is attracting all things to one another. Something is pulling people, attracting people to each other. In a movement towards greater complexity and diversity. Yet, ironically, also towards unification. This energy is quite simply love under many different forms. I mean, this is a profound statement. He's saying that everything in the universe is like this in this orbit of love. That there's an attractional force. And whether you're talking about atoms or galaxies and how they rotate, or you're talking about human beings and how they dance or interact with each other, there's an attractional force. Love, the attraction of all things toward all things, is a universal language, an underlying energy that keeps showing itself despite our best efforts to resist it. Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool, though, when science is saying the same thing as what maybe you would say the, 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 the scriptures or you would say the, the theologians when they start. And they use different words. This is what's so important. They use different words, but they're describing the same stuff. Now, this is what's important. There's something that's drawing us to each other. And even if you've had the worst relational uh, experience. That is to say, you've had relationships that have just hurt you, scarred you, wounded you. Um, you still, you still need other people. Every person in this room. And as I was trying to set up last week, you know, our, our students are going off to college and people always, they always uh, talk about, you know, success and oftentimes with that is money and, and advancement and achievement, all of which is fine. But this is what you need to know. This is what you need. It doesn't matter if you have all of that. If you have bad relationships, you won't be happy. And if, right, and if you can learn to have good relationships, all the other stuff will find its proper place in your life. So today, what I wanted to do was just start at the very beginning, the foundation of relationships. And I started to introduce it last week, and it's just simply this. It's the recognition that there are others. Um, it's just being considerate. The scripture says, be considerate, right, to the thoughts and the feelings of other people. Now, this sort of makes sense. How many think we should be considerate, right? But here's the whole problem with being considerate. To be considerate of somebody else, you have to, for a minute, put yourself aside. This is the trick. This is where it gets difficult. To be considerate of somebody else, I have to, for a minute, put what I want and what I'm thinking about and what I feel aside for just a minute. So the other day, we were, uh, went for a boat ride with a friend, and we were on the boat, and we had Charlie, he had his dog, we had some other friends. And the night got going. We're, we're going around on the pontoon boat. And 
And the volume got up. Is one, I don't know if you ever have friends, dysfunctional friends like I do, all right? Uh, but, you know, I saw myself in a massive pile of dysfunction as we were all trying to top the other person's story. Have you ever been in this? All right? And I, I, we had some strong personalities on that boat. Let me just say that, right? And so one person starts talking, and another person starts talking over top. And disregard, you just look in the circle for someone that will listen to you talk, because this person is talking. And then the dog jumps in, because everyone's excited, and the dog wants attention. So the dog's licking on everyone's face. And then, of course, Charlie needs attention, right? So she just goes, ah! Right? And, I mean, it, it stopped. And then, you know, Vicky just gave me the eye, like, is this absolute chaos or what? And I go, yeah, this is pretty much chaos. And the idea is, we all want to be heard, we all want to be noticed, we all want to tell our story. You do, I do. Listen, you all want to be heard, you want to be noticed, and you want to tell your story. It's a part of what it means to be human. But what you have to realize is, if no one ever stops, right, no one ever gets their story heard, no one ever gets... Um, received, listened to. In other words, the first thing that you have to do for a relationship is you have to stop. And I'm going to start with this one. You have to stop talking. Oh, no, that's my sweet spot. I can't do that. That's pretty much, that's my bread and butter. But listen, it says, be, James says, be quick to listen and what? Slow to speak. Right now, trust me, all of us on board this maiden voyage the other night, we're all violating that scripture grossly. Right. Everybody wanted to get their story on top of the other story and forget that person's story. I got to tell you this. And, and thankfully, I think all of us were able to laugh about it. But here's the thing. In reality, there are people in your life that need to be listened to. They need to be heard. And I want to take you further. They need to be listened to even if they aren't talking. Now, some of you, you know, you're like Mr. Bold, A-type. You go in there and just you give them three seconds to respond to your question, and then you move on to the next thing. And you say, well, they, I, they didn't respond, and so I have more to say. But that's not really what it's about, is it? It's being, being considerate of the thoughts and the feelings of others. The thoughts. Well, how can I be, I can't read their mind. But... Can you read their face? You know, people who are great at relationships, they can read other people's face. Or they can just read the fact that everyone's been talking in the circle except this person. Or everyone got received and got acknowledged except this person. In other words, there's almost like a sixth sense that you have or that you develop, and it's that I have to pay attention to the feelings of this person here. Now, think of it this way. Some of you have done this. Many of you have done it. Perhaps all of us have done it. Where you've been somewhere and you've noticed somebody alone. And you've noticed somebody who just didn't fit in. I've seen this happen so many times at our church. It makes, nothing makes me prouder. Absolutely nothing makes me happier. I've seen some of you who have all kinds of friends here. I've watched it. And you could go and mix up with anybody in this group at any time, before church, after church. And all of a sudden, like out of the corner of your eye, you saw somebody who just seemed to be alone. Maybe they were new here. Maybe they don't have any friends here. And you just walked over and reached out to them. You don't have to do that. There's people that you know. There's people that will scratch your back. 
right? There's people that will do your itch for you. But for some reason, out of the corner of your eye, you saw them and you said, you know, I, I, I just want to make sure that you feel included in the dance. Now, if I can stretch my dance metaphor a, a little bit further from last week, um, everybody wants to be in the dance. Everybody. Everybody wants to be included. Everybody wants to be enfolded. That's what it means. And so it starts with, I need to pay attention to the people that don't seem to be enjoying the dance. Now, they could be the person that you share a home with. They could be a person you share an office with. They could be a person that you just bump into on the street. But what you recognize, if you're sensitive to it, if you're aware of it, is some people just aren't enjoying the dance. And so the first priority, I think, is just awareness. It's just awareness that they're there, that they exist, that they have feelings. Just as you want people to acknowledge that you have feelings, that you have hurts, that you have things that you're celebrating, other people want that too. Doesn't it feel good with all these students we celebrated today? Everybody felt good. Why do we all feel good? Because we're acknowledging others. It's sort of in us. We're celebrating their accomplishments, graduating high school. We're celebrating the fact that they're putting some of their life out for other people to go to, on a mission trip. And so we, we acknowledge that. But where we struggle most is when we get caught feeling sorry for ourselves. Here's where we get caught. Feeling sorry for ourselves. Now, I won't even look. I'll just put my hand up. You ever feel sorry for yourself? I'm not even I'm not even open my eyes today. And it's it's terrible. Like we're adults, we'd think, shouldn't we be over this by now? I mean, shouldn't shouldn't we be over this stuff by now? And isn't it amazing? You think I keep thinking, if I just get a little bit older, I will someday mature. I keep thinking to myself, you know. But the reality is, like, how is it that I can still feel sorry for myself? This didn't go the way I thought or wanted it to go. Now, I will say this. If you're at any way tracking with God's Spirit working in your life, at any way, you do get somewhat better at it as you age. In other words, you do just start to realize that the whole earth and the universe doesn't orbit around you. You remember the, the day you started realizing it doesn't all orbit around me? Is it, now, think about this. The church was so slow to, to recognize that the sun didn't revolve around the earth, right? And people were pointing it out, and then the church dug, and the, the, the church dug in the hills and said, no, no, we're the center of it all. We're, everything revolves around us. Why? Because it looks like it does. You get up in the morning, it's the sun. It's, it's going what? Around us. If you woke up in the morning, was there any way you could think, I'm on a ball that's spinning rapidly through space? There's no way you would say that's what's happening. So we wake up, in other words, we start our life thinking that we are the center of it all. And probably good parenting probably gives you some reason to think that because you need to feel secure that you're important, that you're the, you are the center. But at some point, you wake up and you go, wait a minute. It doesn't all revolve completely around me. But I'm a part of it. 
I'm an important part of it, but I'm also going to revolve around others. Now, why, why is it that probably every third week I talk about 275 or 696 at Orchard Road? <laughs> and while you're laughing, all right, I haven't even given my story yet. <laughs> well, there's a reason, and, and it's a very simple reason. The reason is I don't care about that person's feelings. Let's just be totally honest. No, is that too uncomfortable? You want to act a little more spiritual? I don't care. I don't care where they're going, what they're doing. You say, Chris, you're being so... No, I mean, I don't. I should. I'm going to start. I'm going to learn, right? But the reality is, when I get there, the only thing I'm thinking about is what? I don't care. This is where I need to be. But it's, the reason I always use it is because it's such a picture perfect of how we need to operate in life that you have to merge. You have to merge. And that, you know, we're better with stop and go. Like, do you know, like in Europe, everybody has these roundabouts. So they bring roundabouts here, everybody freaked out. Ah, oh, I don't know if it's my turn. We're just going to merge. We're just going to, we're just going to like. Like Americans, we don't know how to do that. I mean, just share a little bit, just scooch. What is it just put up there instead of merge, put scooch. Just scooch over a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you see two people walking on a sidewalk and they both came to a point in the same time, you'd both just kind of go, oh, scooch. You know? And then if this person has a quicker pace, then they take the lead. And if you have then, but just scooch. But we, we don't do these concepts. We need cold, hard stoplights. Merging. When you, when you come together, this is what it's all about. But if, it, I, I don't care where they're going. Now, quick survey. Just this is just a question: Is that person as important as you are? Well, when you ask it that way, <laughs> is it possible their emergency or their hurry? Is it possible, even remotely? I know for some of you, remotely possible that where they're going is as important as where you're going. Possible? Some of you won't even go there. No, it's not possible. I just can't conceive of it. In other words, what, what we struggle, this is the struggle in relationships, all of us, in every way, is just the thoughts and the feelings of others. Consider it. Be considerate of the thoughts and feelings of others. They have thoughts. They have something they need to do. They have a feeling about it. Um, there's, there's some standard um, counseling for um, marriage relationships. And one of the things that is always talked about is when you go into a relationship, you need to be aware of your baggage. Be aware of your baggage. Now, first of all, who here knew you had baggage? All right? Let me just wake you up a little bit this morning. You do. Everybody look. All right, now, just look over your shoulder. What are you carrying? You're like, no, Chris, it's unthinkable. I don't carry any baggage. I, pr- I pretty much just come. But you carry baggage. I carry baggage. What baggage do you carry into the relationship? What, what is it that is part of you? So as I come into this relationship, I can think about the other person, but my baggage is almost always related to my past, my upbringing. 
I'm bringing something to this relationship. I'm not coming into it cold turkey. I'm bringing something into it. What are you bringing? Let, let's just let's pause for a minute. This would be, if you want this summer series to be transformational, not just informational, which are you going for? Informational or transformational? So you want to change. You want to be better. You want to navigate. I mean, I, I do. But the first thing you have to do is you have to do yourself this homework assignment this week. What baggage do I bring? I didn't say you're a bad person. That's not what I said. I'm not a bad person, but I have baggage. But you have baggage. And if you know it, it's one thing. I always give that example, too. If you're on an airplane with a backpack, you don't have to whack everybody with it. Right? You don't need to. But if, if I know it, I can go, okay. Are you with me? I have this. What is it? It's the way you're brought up. It's the expectations that you have of others. How many have ever had, let's just say, too high of an expectation going into a relationship? This is everybody. You come in, and because we're attracted, as we talk about this attractional force, we're attracted to other people, we think they're going to fulfill me. They're going to do this for me. Right? Um, anybody ever been let down? <laughs> Whew. Well, that wasn't exactly how I read about it in the romance novel. Uh, this person's going to fulfill my every desire. They're going to think about me 24-7. Ready? No, that was just to win you. That was just for dating purposes. <laughs> All right, let's be really truthful. Who changed a smidgen after you landed her? Right? You, you say, I married her, I got her, and I got changed just a smidgen, right? But there, when, you're, when, you, when you're trying to win her or you're trying to win him, you know what I mean? Is, is this true? You, you act a certain way because, because you... But here's the, here's the reality. Once you get into the relationship, you have expectations. And the expectation is, that's how I'm always going to be treated. Now... I'm going to talk about this going forward. The Katinas are going to talk about it because I think you need to keep romance balanced with reality and I think you need to keep it alive. I really do. But if you have an expectation that life is going to be how you dated, right? You're going to be what? You're going to be disappointed. Now, that doesn't mean for some of you hard crusty guys out there. I see, I told you, we can't live. No, you need both. But here's the thing. Expectation is what you bring in. Man. So you, you get into this relationship and you, anybody ever expect too much out of a holiday? Huh? All the kids are going to come prancing in dressed like the Kennedys. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is my mom, you know. She dresses all the grandkids like the Kennedys, and then they take a family picture, right? And then they tear the house to shreds. But for a brief minute, we look like the Kennedys right there. Boom. Everyone's got a white shirt. Everyone's got khaki pants. Everyone matches. Everyone wanted to match. They woke up that morning going, Mom, can I wear the khakis and white shirt for Grandma? And, so my mom has these lofty expectations, which we laugh about, we kid about, okay. 
It hasn't changed a lot, but anyway, we still laugh about it. And then she creates, she made her own table in the backyard for Thanksgiving. And so we eat outside, candle, you know, the whole thing. And you, you, has, anybody, has anybody ever done this? You make food, you make turkey, you make stuffing, you make this, you make that. And it's, it's all filled with kids. And the only thing they eat is bacon. They don't care about any of it at all. And then the whole time you scream at them, eat this. I don't want to eat it, but I made it, right? Now, it's, this is my expectation. I want, I want this certain thing. So now, when you have expectation, this is what causes frustration. Now, listen, this is so huge. Expectation causes frustration. Let's say it together. Expectation causes... You ever been frustrated? Ask yourself. Could it have been my expectations were too, what? Too high. It doesn't mean you shouldn't wish for better and want for pictures. And of course, of course. But the reality is, for all of us, you just have to bring your expectation way down. My dad used to do these big trips, you know. And I love to watch the Chevy Chase movies just because it reminds me of my childhood. You know, my dad was Chevy Chase, you know. My dad bought a beat-up motorhome, as he always bought things beat-up, but then he would just fix them. And I think, maybe I've told this story before, but when the day he brought it home, we were all excited, big expectations, big expectations. Dad bought a motorhome, yay. He's driving it home. thing had been smashed. The whole front end was smashed in, so he pushed it out enough so that it would run. The front window was gone. My dad had his snowmobile helmet on, driving <laughs> the RV. This is a true story. Drove... It's not exactly what we were thinking of, Dad. But, and and the, the, this is true. The, did I say Chevy Chase? The story of, our, of every one of our trips was like that. That thing broke down. Every trip we took, that thing broke down, right? And we'd go somewhere, and he would want us to see. He had expectations. This is what you were born in Georgia. And we're in the back playing Monopoly. Do you know what I mean? Could care less, could care less about, but his expectation, when you have this, you're always going to have frustration. So the first thing in a relationship is, even though you want the best for it, lower your expectation about what you're going to receive. You hear me? I'm not saying lower your expectation for the relationship. You lower what you're going to receive. What am I going to get out of this? So this brings us to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul taught us, in your relationships with each other, have the same attitude. I wanna, I'm going to insert here expectation, mental attitude going into as Christ did, who didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped, right? But humbled himself, lowered himself, always bringing the what? Now I'm comfortable being human. If you could be on the divine side and just have everybody waiting on you and moving out of your way. Do you guys, you guys remember seeing the, the, the Jim Carrey movie when he plays God and he just moves all the traffic out of the way? It might be okay for a while. No, think about it. 
No, I would, you're like, no, I would actually like that. If I got on 696, I would like for everyone to pull over. But you would like it for a while. Stay with me. You're actually built for that mess. You, you just weren't built for everybody pulling over and getting out of your way. It would take you to a realm of unbelievable loneliness and sadness. Or what scripture writers called hell. Where you can block off anybody that doesn't please you at any time. Luke 16, it was the rich man. It was the rich man. He'd go by Lazarus all the time, but he could keep him because he had a gate. Because he had a gate, he could keep him away because he'd pass him by at his gate. And there Lazarus could come no further. Remember this story? You see, it's the, it's the, what you think you want, you don't really want. What you think you want, you don't really want. What you want is, really want, is intimacy. Listen carefully. What you really, really want is that dance, that interaction. And honestly, you won't care if it's poor or rich or black or white or brown or straight. None of that's going to matter to you when you understand what intimacy is. Intimacy is different. So part of our upbringing is, well, but I want to get to the place where I can structure things, where I can put these people over here and have a gate, and these people can go over here, and I can avoid this thing. But really what deep down all you're craving is community, intimacy, and interaction. I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you, because I've done this year after year after year, our students that are going to Puerto Rico... They're going to go to some third world situations. And the thing that comes back that blows everyone's mind every time, every single time, is how are these people dancing so well? Why are they so happy? Because they've chosen something. It's called relationship. Every time you have this interaction, it's like, this is what I really wanted. But what we did he said, well, first I've got to have the right this, and I have to have the right that, and then I have the right... And then someday people are going to dance with me. You can dance tomorrow on 696. You can. You just... um, one, one quick driving story. The other day I was going... I looked down, I double-checked, I was going the speed limit. I mean, I was doing it well, right? But not fast enough for the guy that was behind me. And he whips, he pulls a whoom, you know, you could hear the, 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 the car gear down as he was going to rev. And they're playing me off, it's like the Oscars. Get a... Huh? All right, Anthony, Okay. Do they want me to be done? I hope this is the last story then. Okay. I get it. I get it. I'll make it shorter next service. I'll get it. This guy pulls around me, and this was a turning lane, and there was people stopping. He just, and he edged, you know, he just edged in. You know, thankfully, I wasn't upset. I was. 
I, I do get upset. That day I wasn't. I was just, wow, he's in a hurry. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is then, of course, you get up there and then you get to the next light and he's just right in front of me. And I think, just think, I'm just trying to say this is so important. Relationally, it's, it's all a metaphor, relationally. Just give people room. Give your, if you have a spouse, give your spouse room. Give your friends room. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. I don't care. Does it make sense? It doesn't matter. Just give people room. They have feelings. They have things. They have... The first thing that you do, we talked about this last week, is you put your head up. Oh, this person's hurting. Did you see that person's facial expression? I wonder if they're okay. What you bring, one of the baggage things that you bring into a relationship is a filter. You filter what people say to you. And you can read the right thing, or based on your baggage, you can read the wrong thing, right? But if God's Spirit, this is so important, because if God's Spirit lives in us, which we believe God's Spirit lives in us, you can start to be intuitive about other people. This is huge. You can start to sense this person needs to talk. This person's hurting. This person's... hmm? You can sense it. I would say pay attention to what's going on here. But if, back to my starting story with the boat, if we're all trying to do our own story and top their story, which is fun to play sometimes, but if that's the way you live your life, you're going to miss out. Invite this person in. Invite this person in. Let them be a part of the dance in your life. All right? And if you keep your head up, you won't keep bumping heads with the other person. Are you bumping heads with someone pretty hard? Just put your head up. And take notice. How are they feeling? How are they doing?